0: This morning's reading is The Little Duck by Donald Babcock. Now we are ready to look at something pretty special. It is a duck riding the ocean a hundred feet beyond the surf. No, it isn't a gull. A gull always has a raucous touch about him. This is some sort of a duck, and he cuddles in the swells. He isn't cold, and he is thinking things over. There is a great heaving in the Pacific, and he is a part of it. He looks like a a little like a mandarin, or the Lord Buddha meditating under the bow tree but he hardly has enough above the eyes to be a philosopher. He has poise, however, which is what philosophers must have. He can rest while a Pacific heaves because he rests in the Pacific. Probably he doesn't know how large the ocean is and neither do you. But he realizes it. And what does he do, I ask you? He sits down in it. He reposes in the immediate as if it were infinity, which it is. He has made himself a part of the boundless by easing himself into it just where it touches him. I like the duck. He doesn't know much, but he's got religion.
1: Liberation. Our theme is liberation, and it has been customary to have a personal, a relational, and a social justice message related to our theme each month. But it is summertime, schedules have shifted, And in a departure from our regular course, this is the one time I will speak on our theme in June. Next week's service will be a hands-on review of the themes examined here this year. Poster Sunday, a thematic review, will have a unique format. Attendees here will meet around long tables forming a table team a handout on all the themes will be shared after which there will be a table-wide discussion of those themes. This leads to your selection of the theme for your poster. Then come plans for poster building and construction of your poster and then a table spokesperson or spokespeople will share the reason for your theme and the way your poster relates to it. This will, believe it or not, be fun. (laughs) And, believe it or not, there will be ample room for artists and those who lack such skills. All will have a place at a table set up for discussion, crafting, and sharing. It'll be a good review of the themes we have covered this year. In another introductory note, I lift my gratitude and congratulations to North Lake UU. Last week's congregational meeting was great and the celebration last night was too. Nothing compares to having the funds for providing a place for worship, study, spiritual growth, love, and companionship. What a joy that there are plans to hire a musical director underway moving forward. Kudos, too, for burning the chapel mortgage. Cheers for the work on refinancing, which is going on at this time. Congrats, too, for looking forward, preparing for what will come in the years ahead. There is nothing like abundance, my friends. Nothing like it. And last week's meeting felt like a turn of the page. Congratulations to each one of you, all of you, some of whom do a little, some of whom do a lot, each of whom participates in the move forward at North Lake UU Church. Abundance is catching on here. The key is in the lock. I have found true pleasure in the spring flowers of this area. I am grateful to you for this viewing opportunity, for without your call, I do not know if I would have seen the flow of flowers following flowers or the visual treats bursting forth during springtime in Washington. My camera has had a workout this spring. These flowers have reached out to me. I have stopped to enjoy a bloom, several blooms, a plant, a bush, or a tree. At times, my nose drifted so near that stamen tickled my nostrils. That was right out here. And then about a week ago, I read this. The most fortunate are those who have a wonderful capacity to appreciate again and again, freshly and naively, the basic goods of life with awe pleasure, wonder, and even ecstasy. These words from Abraham Harold Maslow arrived as a surprise, as the text for an online meditation. But they warmed my heart and led me to look closely at his hierarchy of needs for a self-actualized life. Raised in Brooklyn, the oldest of seven, Maslow developed an interest in psychology at the University of Wisconsin. Degree in hand, he returned to New York in 1930 where he formed relationships with Alfred Adler and Max Wertheimer. A friend, but more than a friend, Maslow saw in Adler and Wertheimer people who had reached their maximum potential. Using them as a model, he developed a hierarchy of needs which served as the basis for the humanistic psychology of the 20th century. The theme of liberation fits well with these stages of personal development described by Maslow. The key is in the lock references personal liberation. Oh, we may have struggles with others or with institutions. You know this, as do I. Yet a significant part of reaching toward full potential is recognizing that you are responsible for yourself. You make the choices for you. If you look around the room, catch eye with somebody else in the room, You may trust that person, love them completely, but that individual over there is not going to make your choices for you. Am I correct? We do this ourselves. It's our responsibility, and we think about that a little bit here as we work on our spiritual development. It is part of the capacity of what it takes for us to grow as individuals. Maslow's hierarchy of needs describes the steps people take in order to become the best they can be. The first need that leads towards self-actualization is the physiological need. It refers to breathing, food, water, sex, sleep, homeostasis, security, and excretion, the sweat and other bodily discharges, all of which are there physiologically, our hope is that all here have successfully recognized and managed this first need. The next need, safety, references the security of body, employment, resources, morality, the family, health, and property. These safety-related needs set a base upon which an individual moves toward higher goals. They're important in that move toward higher goals. While a person may lose a job or face difficulties with their health or any of these other areas, attending to the second need opens the door to further development, says Maslow. The third need, love, belonging, relates to friendship, family, sexual intimacy. A consideration here, the negative of this need is the grief that comes to a person who has had and then lost a friend, a family member, or a partner. For Maslow, love is a basic need, the third in a series of needs. It follows the physiological and safety needs setting the basis, establishing the roots for the fourth need. And what is interesting to me here is we talk about the importance of love in Unitarian Universalism. We talk about being on the side of love, standing with love. But this is the third need. And the fourth need is esteem. Here we look at self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect of others, and respect by others. These are the traits people craft by themselves. It is a movement forward out of love. But this can only be done at this step in relationship to others. Northlake is a place where such skill development occurs. Personal achievement merges with collective goals here. This religious institution thrives due to people who learn how to work together for the good of all, most pleasing accomplishment, I must tell you, in ministry is when I see someone who arrives rough cut but full of potential begin to reach out to greater levels of self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect of others and respect by others. They go on and do good things after their time. And much of that happens in institutions like Unitarian Universalist churches Much of it has happened here. Nothing at all compares to seeing that take place. But all of this leads to the capstone, the fifth need, self-actualization. If a good life is one's goal, if one wants to be the best one can be, then self-actualization, a feeling of having made it, arrives along with morality creativity, spontaneity, problem-solving, lack of prejudice, and acceptance of facts. Attaining this fifth need is becoming fully actualized. At least this is the way Maslow saw it when he looked at his two models of people who had reached, he thought, their maximum potential, Alfred Adler and Max Wertheimer. That is the positive side of this hierarchy of needs. But the truth of the matter is that people can operate primarily with a fourth need orientation, but be pulled back by a first, second, or third need difficulty. The course of reaching a fully successful life is filled with a myriad permutations. One of the reasons why it is important to keep our focus, to manage the lower level concerns, to aim for the stars, to really and truly reach out for others, everything we hope to achieve for ourselves, is because we know we are heading toward this pinnacle of achievement in life. Personal development involves waves of self-improvement. New picture, next picture. Personal development, image six, there you go. Involves waves of self-development. As this chart shows, these waves flow in two directions. Upwards in needs intensity and across in personal development. What is interesting to see here is the way the first, second, and third, and fourth steps underlie and perhaps also interfere through the beginning of the fifth stage of development. We can see that, right? Even at the right side of this chart, where waves one through four recede, they remain as underlying configurations in the lives we live, resting beneath and pulling down with much of their force on you dependent upon the choices that you make. Again, personal responsibility. I hope you can see this we see some hands of affirmation? Anybody see this? Okay. The key to your lock is within you. Our hope and prayer is that you use your key wisely, moving through the rigmarole of forces that push you up or pull you down and setting your key in a way that aligns with the pins in the lock so you can feel the joy of reaching the goals you have set for yourself. Don Miguel Ruiz talks about the inner judge. We all have that inner judge that looks at ourselves and says, Hmm, Jim, you're not doing so well. And that judge is there. And that judge is more powerful than any judge will be in the courtroom. It's our self looking at ourself. But oh, the satisfaction when you reach the pinnacle. To move away from the personal, though, and look at this relationally, in this case, church-wide, there is a view that most churches are stuck in high school. Now, I hate to share that with you. Most churches say many church experts are stuck in high school. People have difficulty moving to a well-rounded, full comprehensive effort to freely engage with others. Egos play a role. Friendships are made but can be lost as well in churches. These niggling and immature distractions, the way I see them, I'm afraid, can only be offset when congregants hold a collective vision of their long-term potential. It's in the looking together into the goal we wish to achieve, if things that are good begin to happen. It takes a vision of a church becoming all it can be, reaching its maximum potential, moving toward the bright light of the capstone. In other words, finding the place where a church is filled with morality, creativity, spontaneity, problem-solving, lack of prejudice, Acceptance of facts. This church, like many others, meets this vision at times. Yet the rigmarole of existence pulls people away from this larger vision. A similar second, third, or fourth need force is at work in many places, and it is possible to be better UUs than we ever were before if we can let go of the things that pull us down to those lower levels. This is where I have noticed a problem that affects many UU congregations. Each church begins with a few members, and each church does the best it can with the people it has. But as the church grew, if the question was asked who takes care of this, someone points to Joe or Shelley, Henry or Matilda, whoever has always taken care of this matter. And in doing so, those in the church operated without drafting a covenant that was made real to them in the ongoing life of the church. This is dangerous. A very dangerous program to have in place and to continue to look back to. Because it is a lived, it is in a lived within covenant that we find self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect for and respect by others. This does not begin with friendships. It is rarely found in families. Patriarchal, matriarchal rule. It's a different situation. This is a relational, moving toward maturity, relational. But what about social justice? Does a hierarchy of needs also apply to social justice? This is particularly relevant because the UUA is moving toward and many congregations are struggling with, including a few in this area, struggling with addressing racism. Racism, of course, still lives. And if you look carefully, it's been revived in our society. It is unduly important at this time, my friends, to address the difficulties of race in America. You youths are beginning to see, as if for the first time, the impact of prejudice toward those who do not share the same gifts that they have. UUs who are primarily still in white congregations have some sensitivity and some difficulty even discussing race, oh, how quickly the conversation turns when you bring it up, I have observed this. The key step to developing a faith that does affirm the inherent worth of dignity of every person is relational. The Reverend John T. Crestwell Jr in his piece in saving unitarian universalism wrote the thing that will save our faith and will that will allow us to become better lovers fathers mothers daughters sons and friends is building relationships learning more about each other seeing god in all people places and things it's rooted in experience. The more we learn and grow with liberal minds and hearts, the more we see the spirit emanating. The more we learn about our common destiny, the more we see that we all come from the same source, that we are all capable of good, that God don't make no junk, that the world we have is the world we've collectively created through our thoughts, words, and deeds. And when we see things differently, we start doing things differently. As Joseph Campbell said, all you have to do to transform your hell into a paradise is to turn your fall into a voluntary act It's a very interesting shift of perspective. Joyfully participate in the sorrows of the world and everything changes. It is my plan to offer a program that is somewhat different from what I have seen in other places. I will be with you for another year. Knowing that stumbling and bumbling often leads to failure I suggest that we focus together on the fourth need, self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect of others, and respect by others. Through readings, worship, and dialogue, let us work together to build diversity at North Lake UU and do it by paying attention to the fourth need. We can attend to the currents already present and allow the spirit of love to lift this higher than it has been before, learning together to promote this interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part, a web which we can see dramatically exceeds the narrow sliver of white sensibility, fragility, and supremacy. The key is in the lock. You can lead the way toward a better way, the capstone of personal and congregational achievement. May the spirit of life dwell within you, radiating love and inclusion for all and sharing it with the world around you. Namaste.